You know, in, in, in all the years that I've, that I've taught this class uh, and the 11 o'clock class, I had never had a response as strong as I did uh, relative to the 30-second sound bites that I sent out to you. And I plan to hopefully get to that at the end of this lesson and talk about that. But I was astonished at how many people really responded positively to that. Uh, and so that's going to be, I hope you have a, you've got a copy of that, and we will get to that. If not today, next week, we will get to that. But I want to finish the lesson that we've been studying in which Jesus talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, and Jesus has indicated to us that the Holy Spirit is effectively is going to give us a new revelation, and that new revelation amounts to the New Testament. And we know that that revelation comes in three ways. It comes in a historical revelation in which we, have, we understand the very basis of our faith historically. From the beginning, no other religion has this, where you can actually see the seeds of the faith come from the beginning. Uh, and, and we see that certainly in the life of Jesus, uh, in the manger, uh, and the scene with the shepherds and the wise men, and Jesus growing up and finally going into his ministry, all historically accurate, we know, because it was written by the hand of God. Now, that's the historical basis. There is also a doctrinal basis, which I went through with you last week, in which Jesus effectively says, all that is mine, I'm revealing to you through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that what is mine is his doctrine, effectively the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, doctrinally given to us, understanding what salvation is. What does it mean? Why did God send Jesus? Why, why were we outside the will of God? What, what's the role of the law? And does the, role, the law save anybody? And all of that comes to us through the New Testament. You can imagine being a first century Jew uh, and hearing this new revelation, really being stunned by it in so many ways because you'd been raised to believe that the law was everything. Well, the law was not everything. The law was merely the beginning and then the third part of the revelation is what we call the prophetic aspect of the Holy Spirit teaching us. That is, what will come in the future? What is God outlining to us about what we will face? Uh, and there's some very profound passages in the New Testament that are really prophetic, that are given by the Holy Spirit uh, so that we have an insight as to what will come. And one of the most significant ones is found in Matthew 24. And that is called the Olivet Discourse. And this is where Jesus will tell the disciples what will come in the end times. Very, very profound uh, passage. And, and so if you, if you turn to Matthew 24, looking first at verses 1 through 16, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked, I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, let's understand something, that the temple at this time was considered to be one of the wonders of the ancient world. It was this enormous edifice that was filled with gold. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples here, Take a look at what you're seeing here, that you are so blown away by this edifice. I want you to know that not one stone will be left on another. It will all be thrown down. Now, he's saying this somewhere around 30 AD. 
Here's the prophetic aspect of that. In 40 years, almost to the date, the temple will be wrecked by the Roman emperor and his soldiers. They will lay siege to the temple. Over 1 million Jews will die during that siege. How about that? 1 million Jews. They say the blood was almost ankle deep. Uh, and here's why the temple was taken down to the point where one, not one stone was left on the other. The gold was intertwined with the stones. And so the only way the Romans could get this, the gold out of the temple was actually to fire it, to set it on fire, these enormous fires. So you can imagine, not only are they ripping it down, tearing it down, but then they're setting enormous bonfires that are then burning the stone so that the gold melts. Well, when it's all said and done, not one stone was left on another. See, only God, only God would be able to say that. So here's Jesus giving them a prophetic insight into the short-term future, but he's also going to give them a prophetic insight as he gives it to us as to our long-term future. Verse 3, as Jesus was sitting in the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? That's always the, that's always the question. When is the end coming? How will we know the end is coming? Now, remember that in their insight, they weren't thinking that far down the line. They, they were always looking at Jesus as being someone who would come back and restore political order uh, to Israel and remove the Romans. I mean, Jesus didn't care about the political order. He didn't care about that. He had a far greater uh, message. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, calling I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Now, when you read wars and rumors of war, some from the time I've been a kid, all right, I've been a kid, uh, this has been preached in church, and people say, look, there's wars and rumors of wars. Let me clue you in. There will always be wars and rumors of war. So if you're just looking at wars and rumors of war and thinking the end is near, I think that's a mistake, all right? We live in an evil world. There will always be wars and rumors to, to come. But Jesus is inferring and speaking right out about something far greater. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. What Jesus is saying here is he's preparing us for a time that will come that will be effectively the end times. Uh, and, and the most important part of this will be the rapture. And Jesus will speak about that, all right? When people ask us, well, I don't see the word rapture in the Bible. That's right. You don't see the word trinity in the Bible. But just as much as there is a trinity, there will be a rapture. Uh, and Jesus speaks about it, and Paul speaks about it, and so we know about it. Verse 9, then you will be handed over to, uh, to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, that's not yet, even though we see the seeds of some of that. We're talking about the tribulation period that's going to come 
which is going to be awful, which is going to be absolutely awful. I believe that we as a church will not be here. I say church universal. I believe that we will be raptured out of this. But there are some theologians who believe that the rapture doesn't come at the beginning of the, of the tribulation period, but comes perhaps uh, midpoint. I, I personally don't believe that. Uh, but, but, you know, I understand that there's a difference of opinion. Verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. That means that during this period of increased wickedness, that false prophets are going to appear, and there are going to be people who are going to try to portray themselves as the Messiah. Jesus is warning us, don't be sucked in by this. All right? You know the truth. The Holy Spirit has given you the truth. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And what he's saying there is the love towards God will grow cold. All right? People are going to be persecuted and suffering. People are going to walk away from faith. Uh, And he's preparing us for that. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you interpret that verse, what do you interpret it as? I read that verse as saying that until the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached to every single person in the entire world, the end time will not yet come. All right? It's the age of the Gentile. It's also referred to, meaning that God intends everybody in the world who is alive to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when that happens, when finally everyone has heard the gospel, according to what Jesus is telling us, then the end will come. Verse 15, so when when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Now, uh, this is important. Uh, because what you see here is Jesus referring back to Daniel. And I love it when Jesus refers to other other, uh, people in the Bible. What does it mean? It means Jesus is giving you verifiable truth that the Bible stands as one unified body. All right? You understand that? And so Jesus is saying here, when you see the abomination of desolation, uh, and the abomination of desolation is referred there uh, in Daniel chapter 9. Turn, if you would, to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He, and this this is he, meaning the Antichrist, he will confirm a covenant with many for one-seven. Now, in that passage, confirming a covenant for one-seven, that's a a seven-week period. But in this prophecy, the weeks are referred to as years. So seven weeks in this prophecy means seven years. So what does it mean? He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. So what it means is that someone will rise. It will be the Antichrist who will confirm a covenant with the people of this world uh, and uh, ostensibly give, the, give them peace. There will be peace between the Jew and the Arab. It will be a cheap, short-term peace. But he will give this, 
All right, this is, I'm reading here in Daniel chapter 9, verse uh, 27. Continuing on. In the middle of the seven, meaning three and a half years, okay? Three and a half years down the line of the seven-year period, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Meaning what? Meaning he will stop the worship that takes place in the temple. Now, there's two things going on here. The temple has been rebuilt because this is a, a future prophecy. And so the temple that's, re- that's destroyed now will be rebuilt by the Jews in Jerusalem. Now, I want to tell you something. If you study current events, there's a group a gathering right now in Israel that's gathering supplies uh, and provisions to rebuild the temple, all right? Really, rebuild the temple. They're gathering, they're, they're collecting uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to do this. Now, the problem is that the site that the temple needs to be built on is occupied by Arabs, all right? And so obviously that's, that's a considerable issue. But they are already thinking about rebuilding the temple. So here's the point. How do you know the end times are coming? <laughs> well, 1948, Israel is established as a country. That's kind of the last line in the prophetic words of what will, will indicate uh, those events before the rapture. Next up is the rapture. But in order for this to take place, you need to have a rebuilt temple. I'm telling you that they're planning on rebuilding the temple. And so in the middle of the, of the seven years, the last seven years, prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, in the middle of that period, in the right in the middle, three and a half years, right according to Daniel, uh, the Antichrist will put an end, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, meaning what? He will stop the worship of God in the temple. And what will happen? What will happen? And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. He will effectively demand worshiping him. He will set himself up as God. He will set himself up as God and demand that people worship him. All right? That's what Daniel said. Jesus is confirming it. He is absolutely confirming it. You see it here uh, in Matthew 24. And so it tells you that this is the Holy Spirit really now confirming to you prophetically uh, that what Daniel had set up was was correct uh, and that is coming. Uh, And so... You need to understand this, and he will demand that people bow to an image made of him. And so you can imagine what this is going to be like uh, to those who remain. Now, uh, as we understand the timeline, the church itself, the church universal, and I mean all people from all denominations who worship God, will have been raptured out before this event. Okay? I believe that, and that's, that's what I believe Uh, It's going to happen. But look also, if you will, because Jesus is also going to give you insight uh, into into, uh, the rapture here. And so you'll look here and you'll see. Let me see if I can find the verse. Verse 27. For as lightning, now we're back in Matthew 24, verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man Whenever there is a carcass there, the vultures will gather, 
Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the sun will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. All right. This is going to be the last event. All right. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we will be coming back with him. Amen. All right. It's going to be a vast army of the saints coming with Jesus Christ. But don't worry, you're not going to have to do any heavy lifting. Okay. <laughs> you're not going to have to do any heavy. This is solely Jesus is going to come back uh, and set everything straight at the, at the end of the seven years. Uh, and so uh, it's important that, that you, want, you understand this. Um, and so as I see this, I see the enormity of the second coming and how the entire world is going to see it at once. And you know, you, you see now with satellite television how you see an event on one half of the world and it's immediately seen on the other. You know right away. It's going to, it's going to be very easily portrayed that you're going to be able to see what's going on. Uh, and so Jesus then is also going to speak about the rapture. What about the rapture? How do we know that there's going to be a rapture? Well, look again at verse 36 in that same chapter. And this is Jesus. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, now this is amazing. Jesus himself says he doesn't even know the timeline uh, of his coming uh, and when these last events will take place. Only God the Father knows. Amazing statement. Verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Life is going to be just merry, go, merrily going along. People aren't going to be considering what's going to go and in an instant. Jesus is going to come in an instant. He could come right now, all right, in an instant. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, here's the passage that tells us what the rapture will be like, and Jesus is articulating. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. How do you like that? Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him to come. All right? You want to know what the rapture is going to be like? This is what the rapture is going to be like. Linda and I had just, let me give you a personal anecdote. I was in church when my father was preaching on this subject. She's laughing already. And we were newly married. And so my father is delineating that the rapture is going to come. One is going to be taken. One is going to be taken. The other is going to be left. So I take out a piece of paper and I write this note to Linda. When the rapture comes, will you please take care of the pool? <laughs> yeah. 
I was always a very serious theologian. <laughs> but I have to give Linda a lot of credit. She picked up another piece of paper and said, and said will you take care of the dog? <laughs> so anyhow, that's, <laughs> that's the point. But the point was I understood full well what the rapture was going to be, and you need to understand it. And so you see Jesus is outlining all these things that are going to come. And if Jesus says it, if the Holy Spirit says it, let me tell you, people, take it to the bank. That's what God has given you through the New Testament, the prophetic insights of what will come. There's no question about it. This is what you're going to see. Now, look, it's not just here that this is spoken about. Look at Thessalonians chapter 4. Take a look at that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm teaching you this because I want you to understand the prophetic element of the Holy Spirit through the New Testament. This is important for us. You need to understand it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. This is Paul speaking now. All right? And again, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is speaking to Paul. He saw what Jesus wrote. All right? He saw what Jesus wrote. And so now he's saying the following. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. I don't want you to be concerned or worried about those who've died before you. I want you to understand something he's saying. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. God will bring with Jesus those who have died in Christ. They will come back. They will be with him. It will be an enormous army. Verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, and I love this because you're getting Paul translating Jesus, all right? According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What does that mean? It means that the very graves of the saints, of those who have died before in Jesus Christ, the graves will be opened up and those bodies will come out and those bodies will now become glorified bodies joined with the spirit of those people, the very spirit that's already with God. And there will be a joining in the air of the physical body, the formal physical body and the spirit body. How? I have no idea. Okay? But I read what the Bible tells me and I understand it. All right, uh, and, and so what this what you see here is this uh, reuniting of the physical with with this, the uh, spiritual. All right, continuing on in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. The point of this is this is why we have the hope in our hearts. I wrote that the, the uh, sound bites for you because First Peter told us, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have in your heart. And here's the reason. You're never going to die. 
oh, you're going to die here in this world. But once that takes place, you're going to be alive forever. You're going to be with Jesus. You're going to have a glorified body. There are great things that God has prepared for you. Well, all of this, this is why we have a hope. This is why when we have our, what, what the world refers to as funeral services, we call them celebration of life. All right? When you truly, through the Holy Spirit, understand what God has for you, you understand this is just a tiny slice of time. I don't care if you live to be 100. This is a this tiny sp- uh, piece of time. And so you understand this and you see this. And so it's, it, to me, it's amazing uh, as to what God has planned for us. Now, all of this, all of this comes to us by way of the Holy Spirit. All right? All of this comes to us by way of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you also to turn to Romans chapter 11, another prophetic part of the New Testament. And Paul is talking now here, Romans chapter 11, uh, in, in verse 9, and he's talking now about what will happen to the Jewish people in the future. What will happen to the Jewish people in the future? What will happen to Israel? As he sees now, Paul is alive, he sees that Israel has turned against Jesus, uh, refused to accept Jesus as the Messiah, is now killing and persecuting the first century church. Now look what he says, verse 25. This is only because of the Holy Spirit. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brother, so that you may not be conceited. He's speaking effectively now to Gentiles. And effectively what he's saying to the Gentiles, look, guys, don't get your head so big. Don't get your head so big. All right? Don't look at yourself and seeing that, that you've replaced the Jews. All right? Uh, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles have come in. What does he mean by that? He means this. Jesus has already told you that in the end times, you'll know that the end times have come when the gospel has been preached to the entire world. Now he ties it in, the full number of the Gentiles. Meaning what? There will be a time when God will say, everyone in the world had a chance to be saved. The full number of the Gentiles has been met. uh, And effectively, when that number comes, I believe what comes next is the rapture. The church is taken out of this world. Okay, and so now what happens? Now what's left? And so what he's saying is left, and so all Israel will be saved. He's saying that after that event comes, after the full number of the Gentiles has been met, the the gospel has been preached, the rapture has come, and now he says all Israel will be saved, meaning what? The hardening that has been put on on institutional Israel. There's no hardening on individual Jews, but on institutional Judaism. Let's make sure we separate that. You got that? It's very different. As written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I will take away, when I take away their sins. As far as the gospels are concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. Meaning what? God has made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has made a promise. Yes, they walked away from Jesus Christ. But God will find a time to bring them back into the fold. And in the last days, that's what's exactly going to happen. Uh, Not all of Israel will be saved, but all in Israel who will believe in Jesus, and it will be a very 
large number. Hundreds of thousands will be there. And those people will, in effect, wind up being evangelists. Can you believe this? They will be evangelists for Jesus Christ. This is what you see here. Uh, and, and, so, and so you see, effectively, the prophecy of God written in the New Testament through the Holy Spirit coming to you, coming first to you so that you understand what the last days are going to be like, coming to you so that you be prepared to meet God at any time, and also letting you know that, Jew, that the Jewish people will have a second chance. They will have a second chance. We'll continue the rest of this lesson uh, next week. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for, for the words that you've given us, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit again. I thank you for the writing of the New Testament because, Lord, we would never understand these prophecies about what's, what we face in the future were it not for, for you and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving them to us. Thank you, Father, for opening our eyes. And now, Lord, I ask you that this revelation that you've given us continue to be opened in our heart, that we continue to consider it uh, even th throughout this week. Bless our people, protect them, and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.